Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We are almost at the end of 2020. Many of us are very thankful to see this year end and are hopeful and prayerful that next year will be something, anything different than what this year has been. Today, we're joined by Pastor Quint Lindblad, who's going to share a few thoughts on how we can look to pivot our journey with Jesus in this next year to strengthen not only our own walk, but how we can also be an active part of strengthening the kingdom of God. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Quint. My name is Pastor Quint. I'm the worship and discipleship pastor. I'm so grateful that I have notes uh, to stick to because after a powerful worship service, worship session like that, and then on top of that, I got my five kids behind me screaming. That last song is my which one is he? My two-year-old's favorite song. He's almost three. Bennett, he just screams, have your way, have your, you know, all the time. So it is, uh, it's super fun and, and cool to just experience that and see them. I love that line that says, I see a generation changed. I mean, when I sing that line, I want to cry because I just see all my kids. And, but we have that opportunity too. Whatever generation you're a part of, we have the opportunity to be part of being a changed generation. We're going to talk about some of that this morning. So, um, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I, I have to imagine that for many people in this room, your Christmas looked different than maybe you thought it would or it typically does, okay? That's just kind of par for the 2020 course, I would say. But I, I hope and we hope here at, at Erie First that through this simple Christmas series that we just wrapped up in our Christmas Eve service Thursday, I hope that you, that God, that Jesus intersected your life in new ways through this season. I believe that with every challenge that we face, we have the opportunity to press in and to draw closer to Jesus than we were the day before. And 2020 has given us plenty of those challenges, right? It has given us just uh, thing after thing after thing, and then it feels like maybe we're through it, and then here we are back uh, where we started or whatever the case is. So it has been a bruiser, but as we wrap up today, I've called this uh, sermon, The Great Pivot, because I think that that's really hopefully what we can do heading into 2021. I'm sure I'm not alone in ending this year in, by saying and praying, dear Lord, may this be the end of this chapter and can we head into something different, something better, right? So, um, yeah, so that's really what I want to talk about today. I mean, I think I always laugh, or I have laughed a lot this year when you hear on, regardless of whether it's news, sports, any type of communication to the public, you have these people that say, we consulted this expert on this thing, and they say they've never seen anything like this in their whole life. And we're like, yeah, we know. We've, none of us have seen anything like this in our whole lives. I mean, here's just a few things that I know I don't need to recap this, but it's fun. So let's, let's just kind of roll with it. Um, these are just a few things that if one year ago I told you this was going to happen, you'd have looked at me sideways, okay? Churches went completely online for a season, including Easter, okay? And some are online now even through Christmas. Like, I, I get it. Technology is great, and Facebook Live is awesome, and hello, Facebook Live uh, viewers, but... 
I mean, the fact that that just became normal is crazy. Another thing, the NBA just canceled their season. Like one night, the stadium is full. Some of you might remember seeing Mark Cuban get the text message on the sideline that the season was done as soon as this game was over indefinitely. I mean, they just canceled the season. And then when they finally did resume it, it was in what they called the bubble and people couldn't leave. And it was just, it's a mess. You know, it's just this whole thing. Uh, the NFL season has happened largely without fans, which I know for some of you that support different teams, that's not different than other years. Some of those stadiums are always empty. I won't name any names. But uh, now the thing that I think is funny, I was watching a game yesterday, and uh, I see like the Buffalo Bills, they're finally good. Of course, they're finally good when there's a pandemic, right? But the Buffalo Bills are finally good, and so they're petitioning to the governor to let like 7,000 people into the stadium. That's their hope for their playoff game, right? But when you watch these games now, and they're just all spread out, it's like guys that used to paint their faces whatever color and scream for the extra inch, now they are politely golf clapping when they get a first down, when their team does something decent. It's just awkward. And I mean, honestly, Going to a game is already a lesser experience than just watching on your high-def television, but now it's just to a whole new level uh, of awkward. So another one that I have thought about is um, when I was in college, actually I lived at home when I was in college, but if I had gone away to college, I would have been one of those students who skipped class a time or two and just hung out in my dorm room, okay, or anywhere, anywhere but class. I'm just being honest, okay, we're in church, I might as well just be honest, okay. Um, but now, this year, what we saw was they told the students, please stay in your dorm room, don't come out, log on from home, don't come to class. So I, I think that is um, ironic. And then there's, of course, just countless other, uh, the way healthcare has had to respond, just the different things. I mean, this year has been a bruiser, and I think that's why we are at the end of this year just praying, Jesus, may 2021 look different, right? That, that's what I'm praying, and I'm sure you're praying some variation of that. So today we're going to look uh, in Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and we're just going to kind of learn and see what the Lord, what the Bible has to tell us about how we are to live and some things we can do, some actions we we can take uh, to have 2021 be different because we are in control of some of that. We don't have to just let life happen to us and adapt to it, but we can take steps. So, uh, so that's what we're going to look at today. For close to 15 years now, this week, the week between Christmas and New Year's, has been one of my favorite weeks of the year. Before I was in ministry and I was in sales in the business world, I would take some time during this week and I would ask myself five questions and I would look back at the previous year and then I would write answers to these questions and, and hopefully craft some changes I could take with me into the, to the new year. So to me, this is kind of like my version of New Year's resolutions because I can't just do what everybody else does. That is not my style. It's not the cloth that God cut me from. So every time I share this practice, though, and tell people about it, I get, I'll share it on like social media or something, and I'll get a bunch of messages. What are the five questions? What are you, so here, I'll just tell them, tell you what they are, and then uh, we'll march on uh, into the work day. But here are the five questions I ask myself almost every single year during this week, okay? Question number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. What worked in the past year? In 2020, not a lot, okay? So that, that should be a quick one, all right? What worked in the past year? Question number two, what didn't work in the past year? And what are some things that I can change? Question number three, what do I want this new year to look like? 
since I'm somewhat in control and I can happen to life, life doesn't just have to happen to me. So what do I want the next year to look like? Question number four, what steps am I taking to live how I feel called to live? Okay, and you might not feel called to full-time ministry, but you are called to live a certain way. The Bible calls all of us to live I mean, we're all, this is a totally different sermon I've probably given another time. We're all in full-time ministry, whether, it, whether it's vocational is really the, the question. But uh, we all have ministry opportunities all around us every day. So anyways, question number four, what steps am I taking to live how I feel called to live? And then question number five, and this one's good because it kind of gets you out of that prisoner of the moment mentality, but what is my five-year dream? What do I want my life to look like five years from now when my kids are, if they're 12, when my kids are 17, yikes, right, uh, or whatever. But what do I want my life to look like five years from now? It might not happen, but at least it, it breaks our mind out of this immediate and helps us just think a little bit bigger. And what are some bigger picture steps I can take? So those are my five questions. Use it or don't, but I uh, just wanted to share that. And then, um, I, but I do believe this. If you did choose to use it, if you gave yourself 90 minutes and a latte and you and a notebook and the Holy Spirit and you worked your way through those, I think you would feel ready and recharged for 2021. Just speaking from experience. I think your spouse would be really excited if you did that, okay? I think your kids, your family, those around you would, would notice a difference maybe in your spirit, maybe in your mentality of how you approach things. But anyways, I would encourage you to do that. If you're not convinced, let's turn to Colossians 1. We'll see what the Bible has to say. It doesn't have those five questions in it, but it does have some instructions for us today. So I was reading in Colossians recently, and some things just jumped out of the, the verses in chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison to a young church in Colossae, and he's giving some instruction, encouragement, and reminders to them, okay? He's writing actually from a prison to this young church. Louis Giglio says he's writing from a place for a purpose. So we're just going to read through here, uh, and then I'll pull some things out that will help set up our conversation today. Starting at verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Okay, so let me back up here just to start. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. 
Paul is giving thanks as he prays for this young church because of their faith and how it encourages him. When Pastor Nicole tells you that she is so grateful for your faithfulness through this crazy year, she's taking a play right out of the Apostle Paul's playbook, but for real, your faith has strengthened and encouraged our faith. When we have set up 53-foot flatbed trucks in the parking lot and done church out there, it is because of your faithfulness and your willingness to show up, whether it's raining, whether it's 100 degrees, whatever the circumstance, your faith has strengthened our faith. Romans 1.12, Paul says, I desire to be with you that we might be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. That is the power of community. That is why we come together. And we thank you for your faithfulness throughout this crazy year. So that is just step number one and what Paul is saying to this church in Colossae that they encouraged him while he was in these dire circumstances. This church's faithfulness encouraged him. Moving on to verse six, it says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. Paul reminds them and he gives me the confidence to remind us today, to remind you, that this gospel is bearing fruit everywhere, not just Erie, Pennsylvania, not just Oliver Road, not just in our little circle, but it is, it is going forth all over the place, all over the world, this gospel is going forth. Even in a crazy year like 2020, we are seeing the gospel go forth. And so again, we can find encouragement by all that is happening, okay, by all that Jesus is doing in his church. Jumping down to verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Okay, the need to be prayed for, to be filled up, to be recharged with God's wisdom is a daily thing. It is a continual thing. We cannot rest on yesterday's achievements, yesterday's spiritual growth, yesterday's experiences. We need to continually go deeper with him to pursue him more. And when we do that, when we don't grow complacent or lazy or satisfied, but when we do that, we will have a passionate faith that is always growing, all right? And Paul is admonishing this church in that, reminding them, and he's reminding us today that we have that same responsibility. And then verses 15, 17, and 18 kind of hit on this, but let me pick it up at 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him even 2020 held together. Am I right? Okay. So here's, this is the important thing for us to remember. Jesus Christ showed us the Father with his life. When you read the Gospels, you are reading a real life example. This is who the Father is. He is showing us the Father, okay? And it is through him all things are held together. He is the creating arm of the Trinity. So before we dive into verses 21 through 23, which is really the meat of today's message, I think the big challenge for us and the great pivot that we need to make. Before we dive into that, I think we need to remember the lens that we're looking through is all of this that we just went over. The lens that we're looking through is that as believers, we are to have faith in Christ and a love for all of his people. 
okay? It, what 21 through 23 say doesn't matter if we don't remember that, okay? We need to have uh, a faith in Christ and a love for all of his people. That's what Paul was grateful for in those believers. And it's just this reminder that both faith and love, as Jamie just talked about, both faith and love stem from the hope that we live with knowing we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That's where our faith and love come from, is just that eternal hope, as we talked about in our simple Christmas series, and as we take time to remember during Advent. Okay? Now, this is not exclusive to us, but this is a movement. This is a much greater movement than what we even know or understand at most of the time. But the church has been advancing for 2,000 plus years here, there, and everywhere. The church is going forward. The, the live streams are full this morning with churches proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? And our need to be filled up, recharged, and strengthened, reminded of all these things is a constant need, okay? It is a constant need. We cannot rest on yesterday's lessons. And all of this, everything we've talked about on this lens that we're looking through this morning is possible because of Jesus Christ, the creating arm of the Trinity, the one who descended into our mess. There's nothing we could do. Eugene Peterson says, there's nothing we could do to ascend into his realm, into his worthiness. But no, he descended, as we've spent the last month really reflecting on, he's descended into our mess. He's met us where only, only he could come meet us. There's nothing we could have done to ever meet him. So that is the lens of our conversation. And now, verse 21 through 23, this is where I want to spend the rest of our morning. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul closes this section, these 21 through 23, by saying, this is what you've heard and this is what has been proclaimed. But for him, he also says, but this is for what I have become a servant or a slave to. Today, I want to I wrap up 2020 as a church talking about what does it mean for each one of us to become a servant to this gospel, okay? We've heard it. We know it's being proclaimed. Sometimes we're even the ones proclaiming it, but what does it truly look like in your life and in my life to become a servant to this gospel, okay? We know the church is advancing everywhere. We talked about that. But what are we doing to be a part of that movement? And that is really uh, the question. The message translation of this verse, I think, spells it out in a really interesting, uh, interesting way, interesting verbiage. And, and, you know, I like reading some of these verses from different translations because I think it illuminates, it shows different things. Maybe I didn't get reading it out of the NIV, but the way the message says it, let me just read it to you. It says, you yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him. 
giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You do not walk away from a gift like that. Okay, so go back in your mind to your life before you had that intersection with Jesus Christ, before he met you wherever you were at, before he descended into your muck and mire. And maybe, you know, I was raised in a great Christian home. I've, I've learned these things since I was a small child, but I still had a season of my life where I was hanging out with people who didn't have my best interests in mind. I was trying to live life on my terms, not submit to God's best for me, okay? And even, it's easy to do the history lesson of when your life was maybe at its worst, but even just let's talk about, let's talk about yesterday. Let's talk about last week. Let's talk about last month. We are a case study of what he does, okay? At some point in our life, we have all had our backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts, giving him trouble. But now, by giving himself at the cross, he has made a way, right? He has made a way for us to be whole and holy in his presence. And that, I think, is what is most important for us to remember as we're talking about this becoming a servant to the gospel. We've heard it. We've proclaimed it even. But are we becoming a servant to the gospel? All right? Every day... I have the choice, and you have the choice, to take intentional steps to be a servant of the gospel every day. The question is, will we take those steps? John 15 and John 17 are great chapters to, to learn about and to remind yourself of what it is to live in union with Jesus Christ, to abide in him so that you may operate as an extension of him so that his spirit will work through you. So I'd encourage you to read those, John 15 and John 17, to help you make what I call the great pivot. What is the great pivot? So uh, I have a friend who has a 14-year-old, and he's really into basketball, okay? If you think people like me who say LeBron is better than Michael Jordan are a problem. This kid thinks Giannis is better than everybody. I mean, like the next generation, we have a lot of work to do, people, okay? This is scary, but no basketball fans in here. Okay, so anyways, um, he's 14, and he wanted to play me one-on-one, and that is like my sweet spot. If you're 14 and you want to play one-on-one, I'm here. Anything over 15, you know what? Catch somebody else at the Y. I'm not your guy, but 14, like I can take him. He's about my height, but he's 14, right? So he comes down, and we were playing uh, some basketball, and we're talking about uh, how he pivots. So in basketball, since you're not fans, I'll catch you up to speed. Uh, and I was going to have Adam Blazik do this because he's a former MVP of a league in the Republic of Georgia or something, but I can handle this, okay? So in basketball, if the, if the basket is over here, you cannot walk to the basket. That's called a travel, and you give the ball to the other team. But what you can do is you can pivot. You can keep one foot planted, and you can pivot your other leg so you can see new and different things, right? It changes your orientation. Your foundation stays the same, but your orientation changes as far as where you are looking, okay? So that's what I was teaching this 14-year-old kid as I was beating up on him. It was really good, and, you know, I won. I think he did beat me once, actually. I don't know. Details don't matter. So anyways, uh, that is what I think we need to talk about today, though. I think we have heard this gospel 
We have even at times proclaimed this gospel, but what does it look like to pivot and to see differently and to become a slave or a servant to this gospel in 2021? I think that is the challenge for all of us today. I think that is what we need to do. Uh, for those of us who call ourselves believers in this gospel, I don't think, I'm not saying we need to make complete and total wholesale changes. Maybe some of us do, but I think overwhelmingly, if you call yourself a believer and you've had this experience and this intersection with Jesus Christ and he has changed your life, then I think, you know, we have the foundation right. But I think what we do need to do is turn and pivot some of our day-to-day -day choices to look at this becoming a servant to the gospel mindset. All right? So here's how I think. This is what the Lord planted in my heart as I was preparing for this message. Here's what I think could be a beneficial way to do that as a church, okay? And I challenge the first service to do the same thing. And I think as a unified church, if there's four days left in the year 2020, thank you, Jesus. There's four days left. We're right there, right? There's four chapters in the book of Colossians. I want to challenge every one of you, anyone who can hear my voice right now, to read chapter one tomorrow. I know, I skimmed it this morning, but I want you to take some undivided time okay, 20, 30 minutes, and read chapter one tomorrow and see what the Lord would want to show you through his living, active word from Colossians chapter one. The next day, Tuesday, I want you to read chapter two. I'm committing to do this. I want to challenge everyone here to do this. Chapter, or I'm sorry, Wednesday, there will be two days left. You read chapter three. Wednesday is my birthday for those of you taking notes, so that'll be an easy one to remember. Chapter three on Quint's birthday. All right, and then we're going to close out the year reading Colossians chapter 4, okay? And I think that as we do that as a church, we will see God show us different things through these chapters. If we open up our hearts to it, God, how can our lives look different? What does it look like? We've heard it, we've proclaimed it, but how can we pivot our lives so that we can become servants to your powerful gospel? our every day in 2021. How can it look different and look more tuned in with you? I, uh, you know, I think if you want to do the five questions we talked about at the beginning, I think that would be beneficial. I know this would be beneficial, okay? I know spending time, undivided time, reading one chapter of his word every single day as you close out this year and seeking him in prayer and asking, what, should, what do I need to do that this next year would look different that's within my power and within my reach. I believe he will show you and each and every one of us different things, okay? So that would be my challenge. That would be, you know, chapter three of Colossians is one of my favorite chapters. It's ironic that it falls on my birthday. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. It is the reminder of the cost of discipleship. I think it's hard to even call it a cost because we, yes, we give some things up, but in giving up those things, we are so much more free. The things that we give up in the name of following Jesus Christ, it's actually just freeing us up from things that we don't need to be participating with or that aren't actually beneficial to our lives. So anyways, that is what I would challenge everyone here to do as we close out 2020 and head into 2021, all right? So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna wrap this up. I appreciate each and every one of you. We appreciate your faithfulness through this crazy year. And if you do need prayer uh, for anything at all, I'll be down here at the table uh, as we wrap up this service and wrap up this year. So Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your powerful gospel. I thank you for this life-changing gospel that we have heard. 
and that we have at times proclaimed. But Lord, I pray as we wrap up this year and head into 2021, may you show us all in our day-to-day actions how we can do a better job being servants to this gospel, being servants to your kingdom, Jesus. And so I pray as we take time as a church over the next few days to do that, that you would show and illuminate new steps we can all take, new actions we can all take, and new things we can all do uh, to pursue you with more intentionality and to serve you with more intentionality. And I thank thank you that you are faithful to do all this for each and every one of us. We praise you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks so much for coming out today. Thanks for sticking with us through 2020. It has been a ride, and we look forward to the new year. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.